Well, hello there. It's another day. I'm Jim Harrington. And I am Bill Knight. It's the Friday edition of this week's show, and uh, hmm, a lot of things going on. Well, you probably heard this already, but uh, the war has resumed in Gaza. Israel and the Palestinians are going at it again. Uh, Hamas, to be more specific. Yeah. What I thought was interesting, Bill, I don't know whether you heard about this, this administration that we have cannot be trusted, okay? They won't mm-hmm. cover their their uh, their allies' backs. Yesterday, Tony Blinken was in Israel. He did a press conference, and essentially he came out and he said, you know, we're, we're backing you, but we're not really backing you as far as you want to go. Uh, you, you don't have carte blanche. I think he used the term you haven't got enough credit to— uh, pursue the war the way you think it has to be pursued. Meaning, So what does that mean? That means that uh, Joe Biden and his people have been approached by people in this country who support Hamas and who also have uh, financially supported Biden's administration. And they have said, look at, you know, uh, if you keep backing Israel, we're not going to back you like, you know, we did in the past. So you don't have enough credits, really, like saying you don't have enough money. Now, if you come up with more money, that's... Well, you would think, but uh, I, I do think that uh, we're not to be trusted as an ally anymore because look what we did in Afghanistan. These are the same people, the same military mm-hmm. geniuses who, who uh, pulled out of Afghanistan the way they did. And now uh, they're, they're saying to our number one Middle Eastern ally, you can't do this war and finish it the way you think it has to be finished. You know, uh, yeah. I, I don't, I, I don't know. I listen, war is a horrible thing by nature, by definition, war is terrible. There's no nice, polite, clean way of defining a war. Well, war is an absolute last measure and that's when you're going, okay, words don't work anymore. Time to go and break things and blow things up and tell one side or the Bill, other. And kill people, which is the which is the part that is hard to swallow. People, we live in a, a media world where everything is instant. We see so much now. You know, how much of what, uh, yeah. how much, what would the reaction have been in World War II if you could look down at your, at your hand and click on a, an image and see video of, let's say, the bombing of Dresden or oh. uh, or the concentration camps in Poland that the Germans had instantly. Well, hate is stronger than love. It really is. And, I mean, you know, when you look at the very essence of war, people that are compassionate and, uh, and, and heartfelt and pilly-pilly, uh, they're weak. Uh, because of those 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 emotions and those feelings, when it comes to war, you can't have that. You have to sit there and be, you know, tough and 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 brutal, and that's well, a sad you know, thing. I, but that's I, a that's a reflection of society. I look at what's happening right now. I think if Trump were president, Trump would say, "Look, you use your best judgment. You you are the." front line here. You are the person in the war, Israel. Uh, you know when to stop. Please do so in a civilized fashion. Don't just get caught up. And, and war can be consuming. I mean, it really can. You start doing things, 
you know, you, you start bombing cities and and sometimes they overdo it. I mean, I think I told you, I mentioned Dresden a little while ago. We bombed a city. The Allies bombed a city in Germany, Dresden, and it, it was so devastating that it caused a firestorm that you would see in a nuclear explosion. We don't talk about that well, much. We talk about we talk about Hiroshima. We talk about Nagasaki. You know, they had nuclear explosions. But in Dresden, we dropped so much TNT on that city that uh, it, it was uncontrolled fires and, and thousands of people dead. Well, war is intended to get you to a compromise, but really in war, it's about we've we've done enough talk. There is no compromise. We are going to impose our way of thinking on you. And the winner take all. I think That's that just... they've misjudged. I think Biden and his his lightweight administration have misjudged Israel. I think Israel has at a point that they know that they haven't got an option here. These people that they're fighting have dis- determined that they cannot coexist with Israel and that they have to completely destroy every Israeli. So when you when you have that that kind of an opponent mindset, how, yeah. how do you how do you uh, live coexist with them? How do you call him a neighbor if he's going to kill you? Uh, yeah, I, you can't I, you, look. They can't get along, and there is no there is no common ground. I think that uh, Israel is going to probably nod their head at uh, Blinken, who is a lightweight, and I think they're going to smile as he boards his airplane. I think he already left, but, I mean, Mm -hmm. they probably waved goodbye to him, and they probably turned around and said, now let's get back to business, because that's the only way that they're going to, uh, and that's the only way they're going to do this whole war. They said going into it, that nothing is going to get in their way. Israel said this to the world. We're going to go into this war, and we're going to completely eradicate Hamas. You know, they, they're they not in, in an, uh, uh, a government that vacillates and equivocates. They, they are going to do this because they believe if they don't do it, they will cease to exist as a nation. That's what yeah, they've got. Look, they they have fought so long and and so hard to get where they are today. Yep, yep. Uh, it's it's a it's it's a it's a do or die situation. But it always has been for them. But you know, to think that we as a country, I mean, it it, it makes me feel cheap as as a s- American citizen to have a, a government which initially says we're right there with you, Israel. And then three weeks, maybe a month later, says, well, you better slow down, Israel. You know, yeah. the, the water's getting a little warm, and uh, we're getting pulled in a lot of directions in our country. So you better think about stopping this thing. Um, you don't get in the middle of a war. Well, I think, I think, by the way, Bill, that Israel determined what they were going to do no matter what long before yeah. Blinken came to town. As a matter of fact, they probably thought that Blinken uh, was going to do what he did because they're predictable, and these are yeah. professional, you know, professional uh, politicians on both sides. They know what they know what the other guy is going to do when he comes back to the country. He's going to come and he's going to try to slow us down. And so what happens is they showed what they think of Blinken and Biden. As soon as Blinken got on the airplane and f- flew out of uh, airspace, Israeli airspace. 
Yeah, they turned around and said, "Okay, let's get back to let's get back to business." Yeah. Uh, I I I I hate war. I truly hate war. I I I think it's a it is the last resort. I don't know. Uh, mankind, you would think that with our intellect, we'd have other ways of dealing with conflict. But you see, it takes two sides to believe that. And, and you know, Israel didn't start this. Israel, you know, they were having a music festival, and uh, a bunch of kids were laughing and, and having a good time together in, in the glorious weather of uh, that area. And all of a sudden, some people came in with high-powered weapons, and blew them to smithereens. You know, uh, go ahead, Bill. I didn't mean no, to. no, I was just saying, uh, what they did was obviously an act of war, and uh, that's what broke out. And I think Israel is at the point to where there is no resolve until one or the other walks away victorious and one is gone. Yeah, and, and uh, I think that they gave Hamas... I think this went seven days. It was supposed to be a four-day. It was uh, too long because that allows you to regroup. It, it, it does. Was either, it, yeah. You either needed to come to the table and sit down and say, hey, you know what, this is silly. Yeah. You know, whatever this hate is that's been throughout the throughout time, it's time for it to end. To end. And that would be a great thing, but it yeah. hasn't happened yet, so why would it happen now? You know what I, I don't understand? And, and I maybe I'm old or maybe I'm uh, – not paying attention, or maybe I'm just not smart, I don't know. But I I don't understand the anti-Semitism in this country. I've grown up here, and I've, I've lived in this society. Uh, I have good friends who are Jewish, um, have had them for my whole life, my whole adult life, you know, people I've worked with in the business. Uh, Never in my wildest dreams would I think that uh, a segment of our society would protest Judaism in our country. I mean, uh, you see them walking around. I see Nazi flags in the protest, and I think, wait a second. My dad almost got his fanny shot off fighting the guys who wanted that flag to, to, to be the last flag standing. You know, I mean, a lot of good men died so that we would be in a country of freedom. And all of a sudden to see these people walking down, talking about eradicating the Jews and having these. And, you know, we have a government that just lets them do what they want to do. You saw what happened. Maybe you didn't see it. I think it was uh, when was the Rockefeller Center? Was that Monday, I believe, or Tuesday? Maybe it was Tuesday. It was Tuesday. They yeah. they had the Rockefeller Center lighting of the tree in New York, and I've I've mm. seen that. Uh, I've been in New York when that you know, they do that. It's a, it's a tradition it every year. Yeah, yeah. It's a tradition, and, and it's a it's a wonderful tradition. But to to let you know this crowd try to destroy that, they weren't trying to dis, to destroy it. By the way, because of the Jewish people, you have to remember. That was a Christ, Christmas is a Christmas. <laughs> Do that again, James. Christmas, Christmas is a Christmas, is a Christian <laughs> celebration. My tongue got wrapped around my eye tooth and I couldn't see what I was saying. But anyway, um, I do think that uh, we have to understand that these protesters aren't just protesting Jews. They're protesting our government. They're protesting 
Christianity. Mm. Uh, I think that they are protesting our way of life. Yeah. They are. I mean, you know, I'm not going to get into the uh, the Christmas tree debate, but it is something symbolic that we do all the time. And we have, and there is no harm in it. So to sit there and, and do what they did to it and desecrate it, it's really an attack on, uh, it was an attack on us and our society. Yeah. I, uh, I think that a lot of the, the same players in these protests, I think you'd find they're waving flags and yelling their uh, uh, allegiance to uh, the Palestinian cause. And I think you'll find out that they, they are probably the same people who protested for Black Lives Matter back in mm-hmm. 2020. They're probably members of Antifa. They probably are troublemakers. And uh, this is what they do for a living. And I think that if there was another cause that they could join to uh, make to agitate and irritate our society, I think they would do that because that's what they do, you know. Yeah, it is. But uh, uh, anyway, um, Bill, uh, I don't know that you heard this or not. That that this was interesting, you know. Uh, Roseanne Barr has oh, a Tucker podcast. She, yeah, she's uh, and she had Tucker on. Yes, she did. And uh, Tucker was talking about a lot of things, but he mentioned his support for... And when it started. Donald Trump. Listen. What do you think? I certainly support Trump, I'll tell you that. And I can tell you, I mean, I've always agreed with Trump's policies, always. And I lost friends over it. Um, But, and I've never really actively supported anybody because it's not my job to actively support people. I watch, you know, I like to watch. Um, (laughs) But I'm a voyeur. Yeah. But I became an active Trump supporter when they raided Mar-a-Lago last summer, the summer of 2022. That, that, that's, that can't stand. No, that can't. And that's I something. agree with Trump on a lot. But even if I disagreed with Trump on a lot, I'd still be a Trump supporter because you cannot allow that. You cannot allow the, you know, the regime, the president of the United States to use the Justice Department to knock the front runner out of the race. You can't do that. No, you can't do that. So it's bigger than Trump. It's bigger than Biden. It's a question of, you know, do you want to live in a free country with a functioning justice system? You know, that's exactly. And right. so I'm voting for Trump. And if they convict him, I will send him the max donations and I will lead protests. That's how I feel. That's how I feel. Because too. and by the way, if I thought that he had committed some real crime, I wouldn't feel that way. But he didn't. Mm-hmm. He and Biden are both found with classified documents at home, along with every other former high level federal official in history. But only Trump is indicted. Like, tell me how that works. Oh, shut up. <laughs> I got it. I like that guy. I really do. I, I, I liked him before. He uh, expressed uh, his choice for who he would vote yeah. for. He, he, he's just a, a good journalist. Most subdued I've ever heard uh, Roseanne Barr because she was agreeing with yes. him. I wish we would have got her on the show when we first thought about it because we never did. Um, you know, because uh, – but my, my point more directly is that you take, uh, you take Tucker, you take Roseanne, anybody that has a voice that goes against the left in their narrative – or perceived to have a voice, they vilify them as quick as they can to try to bury them in falsehoods and fake stories and news about them that they're just a, an evil, corrupt, crazy person. They did that to Roseanne, but you know what? She said the hell with it. They, they took away a TV show from a star yes. that had built 
you know, from nothing. It was her show. very big. Yeah. Yeah, it was yeah. her. It, her name was the, the name of the show, Roseanne. Wasn't and it? I got to admit, you know, when the show first came on, I said, oh, geez. And then, you know, about a year later, I said, well, I got nothing else to do, and there's nothing on TV. And I walked away from the show, and I kind of laughed. And I said, well, it's a pretty good show, you know. Yeah. I was I, w- I judged it on the characters that they were playing, but then again I realized it's it's a reflection. She was doing a damn good job at it, and you know she's a a, a talented, brilliant person. Tucker's Italian, a, 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 not Italian, but a talented, brilliant person. Yep. And but you know my point is is that they go after everybody. And now Tucker said the point that he came on board mm-hmm. um, with Mar-a-Lago. Trump. Yeah, and you don't have to like the character of Trump, although using Roseanne as the as the uh, the model of this is that is everything you've heard about her true, or was it um, it was it you know made up stories that sat there were there designed to tear her down and not let her. Uh, do what she's doing right now, the podcast. Her name alone is going to make that show big. You know, I, 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 I have a different view of her than I ever had. Over the last couple of years, I've seen the side of her which shows her intellect. You know, she had to be smart to be a comedian. Comedians, they say, are oh, the no, smartest. No, no. They're the smartest entertainers out there. No, because- she's smart. She's smart. Yeah, yeah. she is smart. She's very, you from Boston? Uh, no, I'm not from Boston, but I hang around up there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's rubbing She's off. Smart. But you know, the interesting thing about Roseanne is she, they you know, with a comedian, they say you have to be intelligent to be able to to see the humor in, in situations and then to display that humor, you know, to be able to pull it off, to make fun of that humor. It's not just... You're not You've just got to ta- step into the role. You're not you just telling to. a story. You're embellishing it, and you're magnifying certain parts of it. Uh, she she's a smart lady, but I, I didn't feel that way when she had her TV show. I used to watch it like, oh god, Roseanne. My wife and my my daughters would look at it. I think they watched it religiously. I could be wrong, but I I, I think I remember that they watched it when when they were young and uh, they liked the program. Uh, now I have a whole different opinion about her. I think she is a smart lady. Yeah, By the way, have but, you seen you know, her? Have you seen her, Bill, recently? I mean, oh, she's lost she's, about 100 pounds. Yeah, well, you know, I used to say, yeah, you know, she's a frumpy old, uh, you know, old broad uh, mouthy, you know, with a lip on her. But, you know, that was what she was portraying, and th- that made her rich. Yeah. But um, it's funny. I saw a Dolly Parton picture the, uh, the other day where she wore a Dallas cheerleader outfit, and I looked yeah. at it and I said, wow, you know, I, I, I was going to post it on Facebook and say, guys, you know, the question is, would you? Uh, and, you know, you get it because Dolly looks good. But going back to Roseanne. Dolly's got to be seen, 77 years old. She's 77. Roseanne, she's no spring chicken like we're not uh, spring roosters. Uh, but you, you look at her and you go, whoa, that's that's. Well, I find yeah. it interesting about uh, about Dolly. She really kind of doesn't hide the fact that she has had plastic surgery. She's, you know, done some uh, other things, you know, that she can afford to do to try to maintain her useful appearance. By the way, have you seen, speaking of plastic surgery, God forgive me, but have you seen any pictures of uh, Wayne Newton recently? 
Oh, yeah. Poor he's, guy. Uh, he's tried desperately to hang on to his youth. I don't know who his plastic surgeon is, but, uh, you know, there, there's a whole skill set to do plastic surgery. I'm talking about to make it look natural. And then there's some guys who do plastic surgery, and all they do is pull your skin tight. You know? Yeah, they, they back behind the ears, they oh pull my it back, God. and they stretch to the face. Kenny Rogers, before he left us, uh, he was that. And, and you looked at his face, and I'm like going, man, you better look at that camera from one angle because every other angle sucks. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, Wayne, you know, Wayne Newton, God bless him. You know, he was a good-looking guy, young guy, a lot of talent. Uh, went went a, a long way with one hit song, essentially. I mean, you know, he had Donker Shane, and it took him to Donker Vegas Shane. and millions. Uh, Got him on Bonanza, yeah. I was... mean, he made a lot of money, and uh, but, jeez, it's like I look at him now and I think, Wayne, there's nothing wrong with being 75 years old or 76 years old. You know, be thankful for what you got. And uh, there, there are a lot of middle-aged women that still go, "Whoa, Wayne!" Yeah. yeah. Well, I God, mean, he, I saw, I saw a, Barry Manilow the other day. Another guy with a lot of plastic surgery. Uh, he was on that uh, Rockefeller Center lighting show, and he had yeah. all his, you know, his skin was pulled back. You know, and, and he was a talented fellow. I mean, he yeah. was a jingle writer and, and and stuff like that. But he made. I mean, I remember driving to work, you know, hearing, oh, Mandy, you know, and, and stuff like that. And I thought, oh, it's not a bad song, you know, yeah. was when Mushy Pop was popular. But either way, he you know, made millions, but he had a bad investor and he lost it all. And how many times has that happened? Oh, absolutely. I didn't realize he lost a lot of money. Did he, Bill? I didn't, wow. Uh, he went broke. It turned out he, uh, you know, I guess he made a phone call one day. Yeah, I want to do this. You can't do that. Why? You don't have any money. You know? Wow. And see, the, the, the one necessity of this planet that we live on is no matter what it is you want to do, you got to have money. If you, you know, don't have money, you got nothing. Do you know these ads you see on, on search engines uh, that pop up that you don't ask for? And they always, they, they'll say, you know, she was a young beauty. You should see her now. And they want you to click on it. It's called clickbait, you know. And they'll show a picture of somebody that you remember. And you'll say, oh, I remember her. What's wrong with her? And then if you click on it, they take you through a thousand different pages before, if ever, you see the picture of this person. Well, uh, I was thinking, you know, these, the, Hollywood is brutal, especially on young women uh, or on women actresses. I mean, well, I guess there's no other thing other than a woman actress, right? But I mean, well, I don't know. You know this that's is, nowadays, uh, and nowadays it's questionable. It is like, 2023 yeah. going to 2024. I mean, you know, I know. it could be a that's dog. A good, that's, that's a, a good a point. Dog gender. <laughs> but, you know, I think I'd, I'd, I'd have a. I, you you got to give them some slack. Some of these beautiful young actresses who, uh, you know, when they were ingenues, the world was falling all over itself to see more of them. And now, years mm -hmm. later, you know, they have wrinkles or maybe they got a bit of a gut because they've had four or five kids or whatever. You know, I mean, they, they're, they're, they're normal. They're normal people, right? Uh, Hollywood is absolutely brutal on them. I mean, first of all, they don't get any jobs. You know, the, the, well, it's, we, it's, it's sad. Go ahead. We, we put such a precedence on, on how you've got to look and how thin you've got to be oh, and, yeah. and everything like that. And you know what? 
you, you, you came out of the womb, you grow up, and you had a little bit of baby fat, and then you get rid of it, and, oh, look at them, how great they look. You get a little bit older, some of that baby fat comes back, but you know what? Uh, it all depends on how you wear it, you know? I mean, you can be a little bit chubby. You can be a lot chubby. You can be overweight, but, you know, if you decide, if you embrace it, you can rock it if you want to. Yeah. And you can look, you know, and you're just as attractive. And you're just. Are you talking you know, to me when you say that? <laughs> no, no, Jeremiah. But you know, no, I'll, 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 no, uh, no. I, you mean I'm I flattered you think of me I don't that way? It's it. a backhanded no, compliment no, to say no, the least. No, no, but, no. <laughs> um, anyway, other things happening in the world. I don't know that you heard this or not, but we talked about Tucker and who he's backing. I got another uh, quote celebrity who has announced that. He might vote for Trump, too. Listen to this. See whether you recognize the voice. It's, if it's Biden, Trump, look, for me, again, um, we survived a Trump administration. Uh, would we survive another one? Yes. Yes. I don't think there's any greater risk to America with him than with Biden. And for people who are now going to attack me and say, what are you talking about? Trump is like this crazy man. And it, well, look. You know, as Patrick says, the data is the data. Nobody was trying to kill us when Trump was president in a way that they're not now. If anything, there's more hostility. And you can have reasons for that any way you want. I'm just saying existentially, I'm not afraid of a Trump presidency. Um, existentially, I'm not afraid of another Biden presidency because unlike many people in America, I believe that the country is much stronger than any individual leader. Um, we survived the Russia thing. We survived January 6th. We survived having Biden as a gaffe machine. We survived uh, Congress uh, going after each other and doing nothing for the rest of us. We survived these things. Are we better for it? No. Uh, should we be doing things differently? Yes. I think it happens. I don't know when. I don't even know why. But, you know, in terms of who I'm going to vote for, I would really have to see where we are at that moment in time. Uh, and So you're open to Trump vote? I am always open. And I'll tell you this. People say, oh, bullshit, you've never voted for a Republican in your life. Wrong. And not only have I, the first vote I ever cast was for a Republican. All right. Can you tell me who that was? For, Actually, I know the for voice, a trip, but I, I For can't. a trip to Hawaii, no expenses paid. Who was that voice? I don't know, but that I know was the voice, Chris but I Cuomo. Don't know. Chris oh, Cuomo. Cuomo. What's interesting? First of all, Chris, he he says existentially. It's existentially, and it's an overused word in the media. Existential. He's an existential threat. A threat to existence. They use these terms uh, to make themselves sound important, but it's not existential. Existential. He sure was hedging his bets there on who he's going to go for, wasn't he? Boy, well, you know, he's you know, covering both sides. He moved. You know, they fired him from CNN. He was out right. of work for a while, and then News Nation, which is this new cable network, which is supposed to be like neutral, they come along and say, "We're going to hire you back, Chris. Give you a show at uh, eight o'clock at nighttime or seven o'clock at night." And pay you a few uh, bucks, and you're going to be a happy man and popular again. You're going to have a venue, but we're trying to be a little more neutral in CNN. So all of a sudden, you see him come He's along neutral. with an, inter an interview like this, and he says, yeah, well, I might, I'm open to vote for Trump. 
I'm a boy. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, his, his main message was it doesn't matter who's in. America will always be America and we'll, we'll as the people do the right thing. Well, I'd like to think you're right about that, but actually you're dead wrong because if, you know, with what the left does, I've seen a slow dissolve of America and American values. And you see it in the education. When, you know, people talk about religion, when they talk about um, history, it's, it's all been diluted to, for a purpose so that they can build uh, and evolve a narrative uh, to a more socialistic regime, uh, this green communist regime. And they like to take the words that we hate that we're trying to block uh, from happening and cast them upon us. Well, you guys are nothing but a bunch of Nazis. You know, you're anti-Semitic. And, and everything that they accuse us of is a reflection of them. You know, one of these protesters uh, this week in New York, you know, at the tree lighting, uh, yelling down the street, screaming at the world. And this Jewish person who had, uh, I don't know, I guess they feel uh, like they got to go out and defend their cause. I think that's a, a noble thing to do. But, boy, putting yourself in, in jeopardy like that is, is something else. I mean, there's a, a, there's a sea of these people out there raising hell, and you, you decide to go out and confront them. So anyway, this guy does do that. And one of these young w women, she must have been maybe 20, probably a college student, she comes up to him and she screams, you're a Nazi, to a Jewish kid, right? You're a Nazi. You're a Nazi. And the guy, the kid looks at her like, what are you talking? I'm a Nazi. I'm Jewish. You know, but this is the kind of crowd uh, troublemaker we have in the crowd. They're not educated. They're not thoughtful. They're not truly uh, cognizant of what the heck they're talking about. They are just there to be a part of the experience, to raise hell, you know? Yeah. And, and, and it's, it's, it's sad because— we've, we've brought up a generation of protesters, have, yeah. Bill, we have done—I blame it on our educational system. You know, we used to talk about this, even on this program we've talked about it, about the failure of our educational system to teach history to mm -hmm. the students. I, when I was a kid, we learned about European history. We learned about the American Revolution. We learned about the American Civil War. We learned about the, 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 Span or the uh, what do you call it, Mexican Wars in the 1840s. We, we learned about the Civil War. We learned about the Spanish-American War, World War One, World War Two, the Korean War. We learned about them all because it was all a part of our history. In schools today, they don't even teach kids about the Civil War. You tell somebody about Gettysburg nowadays, they don't know what the heck Gettysburg or Antietam is, or, you know. Yeah. Frank, well, you know, Battle of Franklin? No, they don't know what that is. What, the, what are you talking about? You know, There are teachers to be teachers and not that they... Look, if you're going to teach math, one of the problems as a kid when I was growing up in school, it's not that they weren't teaching the right things, is that it was boring because the person that was teaching it was not passionate about it. Yeah. They, they, they were just going through some motions and, uh, you don't like this anyway. Here, you know, here's an easy assignment. Just go... You know, I'll tell you what, I'm going to make you my uh, helper and you're going to go run errands. And you got an A for doing that. I used to, you know, grade papers for kids because 
uh, the teacher liked me and said, um, you know, but didn't know how to get through to me. So they just sat there and made it an easy pass for me. I'm going to make an observation, which I, you know, oh. I know it's, it's a surprise. I don't usually, I usually keep my, uh, my feelings a secret. <laughs> yeah, right. You, you know, I, I, I started my college experience about 40 years ago, you know, uh, maybe longer. I don't want to, if I tell you the real figure, it'll make you cringe, but, uh, but I left college after about a year and a half because I got an offer to go into broadcasting. And it was a good offer. And so I went off. And then in 2004, uh, I decided to go back and get my degree because I could do it online. I could do it with an accredited school. I figured it's going to be a lot of work, but I, I can do it. And I did. But what I noticed was the educational experience was easier in 2006 than it was in, um, in, well, why was that? maybe, maybe I was more mature in 2006 and took it more seriously because the checks were being written by me, you know? Uh, and all of a sudden I was, I was serious and it was you had a vested interest. Yeah. But I do think Bill that the courses were easier, more gentle. Uh, I do think that they, have a tendency nowadays to kind of push the student through the system. Uh, they end up getting degrees that don't have the same substance behind them that they might have had back in 1972 or 75. You know, where I mean, back when I was a kid, I mean, it was a lot of work to, to, to get through the system. You know, the, the, the exams, the papers you had to write, the books you had to read. But, uh, Nowadays, you can get a bachelor's degree in some schools that's fully accredited. I'm not saying that I got one, although I, I do have to tell you one thing. I, I got my bachelor's degree, and I haven't needed it. I didn't need it before. Maybe it's because I was in the profession of broadcasting, and that's still kind of a, an apprentice-type business. You, have to, you can be a gigantic success without it because if you have the talent and the ability and the drive, and the and you have the luck, you can go to some incredible places in broadcasting, but uh, but that's probably changed too, Bill. If you if oh, you yeah, if, if nowadays you know everything has to have a, a credential, you know. Oh, did you get your degree? We, you want to be a janitor in this building? Well, yes, you have to have your bachelor's degree. And uh, what, do you, what what is your major? You know, uh, I mean, well, yeah, I mean, when you got into uh, broadcasting, you. Probably had to sit there and pay your dues, but you got in the door. That was the important thing. And then you learned. And as you learned, it took not only the apprentice skills, but then you had to have a certain amount of talent. And um, that's how radio worked. And yeah. um, But now, you know, you can go and get a degree. I mean, my son's going through communications uh, because it's part of his his filmmaking thing, but he's doing that. And, you know, he'll, he'll come home and, you know, see me doing a podcast or doing some of my radio stuff from my, my studio downstairs. Well, what are you doing? That's not how you're doing. I'm going like, you know, you're talking to a guy that's been at a three-time Marconi station, and you're talking to a guy that has been in all these markets. I'm not saying that what I do is 100% right, but I know it's definitely not wrong. You know, I mean, it, it, it fed you until you grow yeah. up and, yeah. and everything. Well, I, I do think different. I do think that uh, 
communications teachers, in many cases, uh, uh, I, I don't know. Wannabes. Yeah, they are. It's you know what do they say? If you can't do teach, and if you can't teach, consult. <laughs> I mean that's that's uh, kind of, well, and we yeah, have a lot yeah. of consultants, by the way, in the in the broadcasting business. Everybody yeah. thinks they have a plan. You know, I, I love the guys who go into radio stations that are already number one in the market, and they say, "I'm going to fix it." And I'm thinking, "Wait a second, it's not broken. What are you going to do?" Uh, well, I'm going to make it stronger, better. It'll last longer. It'll be a, a, a what? Anyway, um, a lot of other things happening. You know, getting back to the seriousness of our world, uh, mm -hmm. I don't know whether you saw this yesterday. You probably didn't. But, um, you know, we would like to think that our our government, our legislative branch, is uh, run by a bunch of serious, thoughtful oh, yeah. people who uh, who who don't descend into chaos and turmoil, right? Wrong. Yesterday in the Senate, this is what was going on. I'm going to play it. It's three minutes long, but it's it's All just right. this is our U.S. Senate at its worst. Mr. Chairman, you're Chairman. denying us an All opportunity right. to Mr. speak on a nominee. I mean, third time. No. Okay, do this. So just we don't do have it. a right to speak under the rules. Under the third uh, third time, I'd say no. So you so you're just going to make it up? So you, yeah. I'd like to There's going to be a lot to, of consequences like coming here. To, Mr. You're going to have a lot of consequences coming if you go down this road. You better I've believe it. You, I've cautioned a lot of you. The clerk will call the rule. Listen to me. I've cautioned a lot of you. Mr. Chairman. Mr. Chairman, don't we get the opportunity to speak? We're in a roll call. So you're even, telling even us to shut up? Member, even though multiple you members have asked to speak? You want us to shut up? Is that what you're saying? A lot of people didn't speak on the two nominees before. We've done. I would you raise your hand if you did not speak? I did not have a chance. Senator Corn didn't have a chance to speak. Senator Blackburn had a chance to speak. We've got several folks, Mr. Chairman, who didn't have a chance to speak. We want to tell you again why these nominees are awful. Mr. Wells. Or in Senator Corn's case, tell you for the first time. You're just going to sit there and ignore us? Senator Blackburn, have you spoken on these nominees? I've not had the opportunity like to? to speak. I would like very much to speak on Mr. Casabai. I urge you to let Senator Blackburn speak. Senator Corden as well. Senator Corden hasn't had a chance to speak. That's correct. Point of order, Mr. Chairman, you, you can't limit debate without invoking Rule 4. You haven't done that. We have debated. We, we've, de we've debated on prior occasions when we didn't have a quorum. That vote didn't count. We've got people who are here now who weren't here then who would like to speak. Can we speak on the other nominees? Or is, your, or is your plan just to end all debate today? Is your plan to end all debate? Do you have an answer? You're going to rely on someone whispering in your ear. What's your plan? No. No, that, no we're not. We're, you can, yeah, okay, listen, here's the deal. We worked seven weeks to try to solution the asylum problems. You boycotted the committee. Mr. Cruz. Mr. Chairman, I, I don't know if you've left us any alternative but to deny the committee a quorum. Mr. Cotton. I think that's something we ought to seriously I'll consider. Tell you what, Mr. You Cotton says the chairman needs to rethink his decision yeah, and let I, Senator Corn and Senator Blackburn speak. That's what Mr. Cotton says. You, you mark that down as my vote. Yeah, and everybody think, over there who's not willing to look at me or look at Dick Durbin needs to think about it as well. I want to speak. Mr. Tillis. 
Mr. Kennedy wants to speak as well. Mark Mr. Cotton now saying Mr. Kennedy needs to speak too. I'm waiting to be heard on the nominee. I've requested several times to be heard on the nominee. Okay, so what happened yesterday, what happened in that in that chaos is Dick Durbin was the chairman of this hearing, of this committee. Mm-hmm. Dick Durbin's a radical, long, long, uh, he's got a lot of experience. He's been in, in the Senate probably for four terms or five terms or whatever. Too long. Yeah. He's got an incredible record. Uh, Big liberal. And he decided, I guess, at some point, I'm not going to listen to the Republicans do anything anymore. They're done. We're going to wrap this up. I want this to go a certain way. They don't want it to go a certain way. So I'm just not going to listen to them. So Durbin turned his back on the Republicans. The Republicans went ballistic. You heard it. Uh, And... It's not the way the system is supposed to be run. It's supposed to be a matter of give and take, a, a matter of listening to both sides. But Durbin decided, ah, oh, to hell with it. We don't need to. Uh, we're, we're the Democrat. We're the ruling party in the uh, Senate, and we're gonna we're gonna do it our way, whether they like it or not. And that's what it turned the turmoil it turned into. Also, uh, I got a, a longer cut, which I think mm-hmm. is kind of interesting. Bill Marsha Blackburn, mm-hmm. you know, she's a senator. And they were talking about, uh, uh, well, they were talking about a lot of things. And I'll let her explain. Uh, Essentially, they were talking about nominees, but they were talking about um, she wanted to to get the records on the Jeffrey Epstein case. And Durbin summarily dismissed her like, no, you can't. And this is... And also, the Democrats are trying to make an issue in the same committee about Clarence Thomas. They're trying to destroy Clarence Thomas for no reason. They're trying to make a case where there is none, you know? Mm. They're trying to make an issue where there is none because they're trying to bring down Thomas so that he resigns from the uh, Supreme Court or he's uh, impeached. Yeah, and then they get to appoint somebody. Exactly right. Mind you that uh, Clarence Thomas... Is a is a wonderful man, a great scholar, legal scholar, and has proven himself time and time again. But this is Marsha Blackburn yesterday. <clears throat> Mr. You, Chairman, Steve. I seek recognition. Senator Blackburn. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. I think we all know what this is about, and uh, you all have been after Justice Thomas. We are fully aware of this. And I, I think that um, the whole charade is truly disgusting. Now, if we go back to the Dobbs leak, and I'm one of those, I'd like to know who the leaker is, and I'd like to know why they did it. But since that leak, our Supreme Court justices, especially Thomas Alito, Gorsuch, Kavanaugh, Barrett, They have been subjected to threats on their lives. Their families have been subjected to threats on their lives. And yet, this is what you and Senator Whitehouse are choosing to focus on, is a discrediting of the court. And we know what this is about. We should be talking about protections for the court. I I think that... 
it appears that what you're doing is you're going after them because right now you don't agree with some of the decisions that are coming out of the court. So instead of letting them exercise and fulfill their jobs, what they're required to do, what are you doing? You're going after a way to delegitimize the court as an institution. Tennesseans know this. We see it. But, you know, Senator Graham mentioned Justice Sotomayor. Now, this summer, what we learned was that over the years, her staff has pressured public institutions to buy her books. And these books and her book deals have earned her $4 million. And I haven't heard you mention that. None of you have mentioned that. You don't want to talk about that. Nor have you mentioned the fact that she refused to recuse herself from not one but two copyright infringement cases concerning her book publisher. You clearly don't want to talk about that one either. So I have filed an amendment issuing a subpoena to Justice Sotomayor's staff who helped to sell her books as well as to her book publisher so we can fully understand the backstory of these deals. And since we're in the business of issuing subpoenas now, here are a few more that I filed. A subpoena to Jeffrey Epstein's estate to provide the flight logs for his private plane. Given the numerous allegations of human trafficking and sexual abuse surrounding Mr. Epstein, I think it is very important that we identify everybody that was on that plane and how many trips they took on that plane and the destinations to which they arrived. I've also filed a subpoena authorizing Secretary Becerra to come before this committee and explain to us how HHS and the Office of Refugee Resettlement has lost track of 85,000 children. In addition, I filed a subpoena to compel the Biden DOJ to provide all documentation about their disastrous decision to terminate the successful China initiative. That was a program that was critical to targeting and prosecuting Chinese spies in America. Next, we've got to get to the bottom of the far left's effort to take down President Trump. That's why I've filed a subpoena for all documents relating to any political donations and participation by special counsel Robert Mueller's staff. And let's talk about the two tiers of justice that we're all seeing in the Biden administration. This administration loves to talk about misinformation, but they clearly have the goal of censoring conservative speech online. In the latest example of this, DOJ, on behalf of the FTC, filed a privacy and securities practices suit against Twitter. So I think we need to get to the bottom of President Biden's efforts to silence Elon Musk. 
That's why I filed a subpoena to compel DOJ and the FTC to provide all documents related to the investigation of Elon Musk. So, Mr. Chairman, I think there are real issues that we should be talking about, social media and the way it's destroying our kids' lives. Wall Street Journal has an article in on this today. Our southern border is wide open. It is a vulnerability. The president's administration has lost track of 85,000 children. The world is on fire. But what you have chosen to do is to launch an assault on the legitimacy of the Supreme Court. If you want to take up our time and go there, Mr. Chairman, we can all go there. I think this is a sad day for this committee and for the confidence that the American people would like to have in our institution and in this prestigious committee. Okay, if you're looking for the definition of a swamp dweller, it's Dick Durbin. You can see his picture Mm -hmm. probably. Uh, and that's the guy who's chairing that that committee, and he's ignoring everything she just talked about. All those different yeah. points. So, what do you think is going to happen with all the paperwork that she filed there? Absolutely it's nothing. It's going to be filed mm-hmm. away into some cabinet somewhere, and uh, they'll talk about it's under consideration, and it'll never happen. Not while you he's know. I there. hear now Epstein was a bad player. No doubt about that. Right. You know, and he committed suicide in prison, or so they say. Yeah, right. In his jail cell. But, you know, I think if the truth be known, it doesn't matter what kind of player you are at some point in time. Enough is enough. Like, they don't want you to have the records of who was on those planes or on that plane to go to Epstein Island. And I really think what happened there is that everything came down on him at a time when he sat there and said, you know what? I am going to sing like a canary, and I'm going to mention names. And when that threat to them came out, uh, he's suicidal. we got to yeah, lock him yeah. up, and uh, let me go get a drink of water. And they come back. Oh, did those guards, those guards who were supposed to never leave him, did they ever get punished? No, they didn't. So, Amazing. yeah, you know, there's more to that story than meets the eye, but, you know, uh, even Blackburn, with everything she's filed, I think they're all good. But it's political theater, and it, uh, right now it's theater, and, and the Democrats hold the gavel, so they're in control, and they're going to talk you down and gavel you down, and if the Republicans take it, they're still going to sit there and talk louder. That's what they do. But if you heard the chaos what we played a little while ago, one, mm-hmm. of, the, one of the guys, I, I forgot which senator it was, says, you know, are you going to listen to us? There will be consequences. Meaning that he was a Republican. Obviously, he was saying to he was saying to uh, Durbin, "There's going to be consequences if you don't listen." And it's because the majority right now is running out of road, or at least that's right. what's perceived. I mean, there's going to be another administration, probably, well, and it may be a Republican one, and it might be Donald Trump. And boy, isn't that going to change things? But I got to wonder if. It's all going to go the way we think it's going to go. I mean, so many things are going on right now. Today's a big day in Georgia with uh, Fannie Willis and her RICO case. And this is where the Trump lawyers are saying, okay, we're taking off the gloves. We're coming in boxing. And uh, they've actually gotten some pretty good wins here of recent. Except yesterday. 
Except yesterday, yeah. Yesterday in New York, for no reason at all, the gag order was reinstituted. And it was re- right. put back in. And, and it was put in front of a four-judge panel. And they are required to explain their decision. Except yet, yesterday they didn't. Yesterday, yeah. no, no, no explanation. They just said uh, it's back in place. Yeah, that's a four-panel judge. Isn't that considered arbitration? It goes before judges for arbitration. And theoretically, usually when something's arbitrated, you have no rebuttal to it, which is why they did. But I'm sure it's something that the Trump attorneys didn't agree to. I'm sure it's something Trump didn't agree to. Uh, Everybody has said that this gag order is nothing short of illegal and, and improper, but yet they do it because... They want to silence the other side. Oh, there's evidence that can hurt our side? (laughs) You can't do that. No, you can't see that evidence. I'm sorry. I heard someone say yesterday, Trump should just say what he feels like saying and see what happens. Dare them to gag him. Dare them. Because you heard heard Tucker, for example. Did you listen to the the Tucker comments with Roseanne? He said, look, they put him in jail. I'm going to give him the max donation, and I'm going to— support him in any way that I can, which means, you know, Tucker has a very big audience. I'm talking yeah. millions and millions and millions of, uh, of ex, uh, people who tune in for his episodes. He's got a much bigger audience now than he, than he had when he was on Fox. Fox. And, um, and he's going to give money and yep. you know, the guy, is it the, uh, the guy that owns, uh, is it Home Depot or it's one of those big yeah. things? He's putting his money no matter what, even if Trump goes uh, to prison. Now, what are they going to do? If they take Trump and throw him into jail or throw him yeah. into prison, are they going to put him on um, you know, on lockdown to where he's isolated, can't talk, nobody well, can That's a good him? question. I don't know whether I don't know whether by law the Secret Service can allow him to be unprotected. I, I mean, I think that's their responsibility and their job. I don't think that they can leave his side. So if he goes to prison, what happens? Do they send secret service in with him? Or do they put a secret service plant? Somebody that is, uh, is an, has a, is an agent of ulterior motive. They're going, yeah, I'll go and lock down with him. And then all of a sudden that buzzer rings and I can't believe it. He, he, he ate something and choked on it. Wait a second though. You You know what they might do? They might not send him to prison. They might have him under house arrest where he Mm -hmm. cannot leave his property, which, you know, for a presidential candidate, well, it would be kind of like Joe Biden. I was just going to say it was kind of like Joe Biden in 2020, but he didn't. He wasn't on house arrest. But would the media have access to him or would they be. I don't know. They couldn't. I don't know. There's so many questions there that you got to wonder what it is they're doing, but what will the people do if. Because Trump's numbers are growing no matter what you throw oh. at him. He's growing. Bill, what do you think? What do you think would happen? Oh, I think we're on I think we're on the verge of a total chaos and a revolution. And you know, you got people like the guy, the the BLM guy that said, No, I'm going to Trump. And yeah. the reason is is you can't help but like the guy and I mean, if anybody has proven themselves yeah. in anything he doesn't have to take the pummeling that he, he could right now make this all go away by saying, you know what, friends, I've reconsidered it. Uh, 
you know, I had my time, I'm moving on, and uh, that's it. And he wouldn't have to admit to anything. He wouldn't have to do anything. He'd walk away because they would say, yeah, if you're going to walk away, you know, it's done. I think Nietzsche once said, whatever doesn't kill you makes you stronger. And I think yeah. that uh, Trump is that way. He he gets all these different attacks from all these different people, all these different sides, and it just makes him bigger. I think he's willing to be a martyr. I really do. I think he's willing to be the martyr of 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 uh, true democracy. And, you know, you can throw all the negative jabs at him. Oh, he's this. Oh, he's that. Oh, he's got a, he's got a, you know, a, a personal organ that looks like a mushroom or whatever. You know, everything that they can say negative. Oh, about yeah. him. how about the one where they pee in bed or the, they were peeing in his bed? I mean, they, they did things to him well, that were vile. And, and they and it was all a lie. And you know who instigated the Russia hoax? It was Hillary. Yeah, and you know, uh, to to accuse somebody of some vileness not like that, it has to be something for you to think of it that you were a party to or have personal knowledge of. So, Hillary, what are you admitting well, to? You know, she. It's it's really interesting. They were the whole Russia hoax was proven to be just that a hoax. Yet in interviews to this day, Hillary still spews it. To this day, she will talk about Russia and his connection. It's all a lie. It's all a lie. She just figures, forget. she's from the Goebbels uh, school of propaganda. If you say a lie long enough and, and, and with conviction, Fiction becomes it becomes reality. the truth. Yeah. yeah, it becomes the truth. Um, so we, we were talking about the border a little while ago. I don't know oh, you're aware of this. We've got a rush of people coming over the border in the past 24 hours. Well, listen to this. 9,400 plus yeah. in one day. Yeah. Yesterday. Yesterday. Yeah. 9,400 people. I mean, this was a month's total. Uh, this was a two-month total not too long ago, and we had it in one day yesterday. Yeah. Did you... Uh... No, I didn't see the, uh, the the auto clip. Something tells me you probably got it. Corinne uh, Jean-Pierre stormed out of the uh, press conference, I think it was yesterday, when uh, the gentleman, the black gentleman, that yeah, uh, the- finally, he, you know, she's always saying, she's ignoring him, ignoring him, ignoring him, ignoring him, uh, whether he got the question in or she acknowledged him the one time. He asked her why he was uh, not, ta- you know, taking questions from. It's discrimination. It's racism. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. She didn't like that. No, I I was looking for it. I I actually did have it, but uh, for some reason I can't find it right now, which is the story of my life. But uh, you're right. It, it was Kirby up there. He was at the podium. Ah. He was he was ignoring this African reporter, who by the way has been ignored for the entire Biden administration. Yeah. And, and what I find interesting because here's somebody who's always touting the fact that she's the first uh, black lesbian press secretary, and she's always touting that like it's a badge of honor, and she ignores a a black reporter constantly. In, well, can, in, it doesn't make sense. Can a black person be a racist? I think so. Against... Against black people? Yeah, I think so. I actually, so, I actually think I have the, uh, I think I have the audio right now. If you'd like to hear it, sure. Uh, just to talk for a second or so while my 
My computer loads. And here it is. This is what happened yesterday in the press conference. I've actually followed up on Angola. One question. It's so surprising that you don't take it. You are receiving an African leader. You can't take a question from an African journalist. Okay, we can end this. Sorry, I have one other question. Basically, John, take it. It's not about asking the question. I want to ask an African question. Because I receive an African leader. Thank you. Thank you so much. Oh, my God. All right. We can end this briefing if it's not going to be respectful here. Chris. That's what I'm saying. You are receiving an African leader, and you don't take questions. Thanks, everybody. question about gas prices. Thanks, everybody. Can we do one about the gas prices? And off she goes. And you heard chaos, but you yeah. heard faintly in the background, you heard the uh, African reporter. Won't you take a question from the African reporter? And uh, they ignored him. They ignored him. I, I don't know. Uh, they have always do. And he says it's discrimination. And I mean, uh, I don't know any other way to put it. And yeah. it's going to sound racist, but, you know, I think she just found out the jig is up. Hey, you know, one more she's thing, a racist. One more thing before we wrap this one up. Did you hear about this? Uh, this Chinese pneumonia that's striking children. Oh, it's uh, it's uh, rampant in Ohio. As a matter of fact, what 142 kids this week. And now they have. I think they found some in Washington D.C. This is this is the new uh, nonsense that they're going to throw at us. This is desperation time. You know, we didn't have a pandemic for a hundred years. You know. Between nineteen eighteen yeah. and, usually and a 20... pandemic stretches two years, it has, you know, the first wave, second wave, and it's done. Yeah, this, this thing they're trying. Keeps... To, it's like every political cycle, they're going to reinstitute a, a, a pandemic of some kind. We'll get you back in mass, get you back in the house, and get you to do mail-in voting so they can fudge it up. And uh, you know, they're trying. They're going to sell this, folks. They're going to sell this. And you better get your shots because now your kids can infect you. And, you know, why are they pushing these shots that they have no research on? You know, even the Navy came out with the pilots sitting there, you know, like 350. uh, 938%. uh, Yeah. I Uh, mean. Myocarditis, 938% increase uh, in myocarditis in Navy pilots. These are people who are in the best physical shape of their entire lives. Oh, you know, to be a, a flight uh, pilot for a commercial airliner, what is it, six months? Every six months you're in for yeah. a physical? Uh, I think these guys are doing physicals all the time, 90 yep. days. You know, it's, they are in shape. And when you go in for it, look, you've done a routine health doctor. You know, the yeah. nurse comes in, takes your blood pressure. You know, they check your pulse. They do the little uh, the, the the finger thing, whatever the uh, not these guys. Uh, not yeah, these and guys. then they listen to your heart. These you guys, know, and- they run in place. They have uh, EKGs all over them. They, oh yeah, their their tests are serious. It's physicals that they have to go through. You know, uh, but anyway, we are we're in very trying times as a country. We're being attacked from all sides. You heard the Democrat uh, parties decided not even to listen to the arguments of the opposition. So uh, it has been determined somewhere that they're going to rule with an iron fist everywhere in in, uh, the legislature. You see it happening in the judiciary with uh, them deciding to put the gag order back in place and don't explain yourself. Don't you don't need to. That's what they did. 
So, uh, I mean, uh, I don't know where this is going. I think what they said the other day, I think it was, who was it? Was it, was it Tucker? Uh, yeah. No, it was, uh, it was Victor Davis Hanson who warned us that this year, this coming year is going to be like a year like we've never seen before in the history of our country. So hang on. And I think he's oh. right. You heard that uh, New York Congressman uh, George Santos, love or hate the guy, uh, he uh, introduced a resolution to expel Jamal Bowman yeah. uh, for uh, obstructing congressional proceedings with that fire alarm stunt, which uh, was bad. And, of course, now, you know, they're trying to get rid of Santos and everything. And he blurted out, he goes, yeah, do what you will. I'm going to write a book and name names. And I thought, you know, no matter what, I might buy that book just to see what he says about because I don't think he's going to lie about that. I think he's going to sit there and tell on everybody. You know, it's a Friday weekend program, and we can go a little long, right? It's our show. Sure. I'm yeah. gonna, this is what Santos said on the floor of uh, on the floor of Congress. Madam Speaker, pursuant to Clause 2A1 of Rule 9, I rise to give notice of my intention to raise a question of the privileges of the House. The form of the re- of the resolution is as follow. In the matter of Rep. Jamal Bowman from New York, whereas Representative Jamal Bowman is a member of the United States House of Representatives, whereas on September 30th, 2023, Representative Jamal Bowman knowingly and willingly gave a false fire alarm in the Cannon House office building, whereas on October 26, 2023, Jamal, Representative Jamal Bowman pleaded guilty to one count of falsely pulling the alarm, and whereas Representative Jamal Bowman's actions caused the closing of the Cannon House office building and resulted in the disruption of an official proceeding in the Congress. Now, therefore, be it resolved that pursuant to Article 1, Section 5, Clause 2 of the Constitution of the United States, Representative Jamal Bowman be hereby is expelled from the House of Representatives. That's George Santos. That was, uh, I guess you know, he figures that's, he's from the school of the best defense is a strong offense. So he, he's, yeah, and you know it's amazing. He's not qualified. Well, it sounds like he did his homework on that. Well, you know, when it comes to his legislative actions, he's he's got he seems to be on the the right side of of the arguments, and which is driving the left nuts. So and 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 we have these doofus Republicans. We only have a four vote a four vote majority. Yeah, you we would don't have think anything. that they would say, "Wait a second. We got a small majority here. Let's just uh, we'll leave it to Lock, the people. We'll leave it to the people of Long Island to get rid of this guy. He's only got another year, you know. But uh, anyway. well, why do you have to get rid of him if he's doing a good job? You know, look, uh, I'm not excusing it, but the simple fact is, you know how many professional people and people that are going, oh, you can't do that. I'm like going, hey, you know. Why don't you go stand in front of the mirror and say that? Because you told me you embellished your resume. Well, you know, if everybody that embellished or lied on their resume, there'd be a lot of damn job openings in the United States right now. A lot. Yes. And I, I should point out that today we've done something we haven't done in the history of the program. And that's go 
almost eight minutes beyond our limit. But it's been fun. Oh. It's been fun. Oh, the time police are going to come yeah. get us and yes. lock us. They're coming to take me away. Yes. Ho, ho. Board up the windows and doors. Uh, if you want to contact us, our number is 833-538-7868. 833-538-7868. Mail at itsanotherday.com. Mail at jimandbill.com. And jimandbill at mail.com. Okay, so uh, tell your friends about the show. Make sure you spread the word. Uh, for people who are, are like-minded, who don't know of the show, you uh, just uh, give them the link. Say, look, you got to listen to these two guys. They're on our side. And yeah. uh, and that's how the show grows, okay? We need your help. Like us on Facebook. Love us in life. Share us with your friends. Yes, and send money. <laughs> and send money, money, lots of money. You know what? You can fly a plane over and drop a, drop a suitcase full of money on both of our driveways. Large denominations, please. Thank you very much. <laughs> Hey, I don't uh, want any of that funny money either. And, and, I don't want. And if you send enough money, you might hear Mr. Bill Knight say, "Hasta la vista, baby. We're out of here." The Voice of Freedom, CRN America. These days, when you want an answer about just about anything, you ask Alexa. You ask her about the weather. You ask her who won your favorite sporting event. You ask her to find a fact that you can't find anywhere. Well, we did that too. We asked her how many people have downloaded itsanotherday.com. And this is what she said. From acceleration.com, it has been downloaded as much as 260,433,467 times. I know. Seems like a lot. Seems like a lot to us too. But it's Alexa. Thanks for making us a part of your day. And tell your friends about itsanotherday.com. We could use an extra listener. I mean, what do you do when you only have 260 million?